Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. There we go. Um, there it is. So, uh, chocolate. There's uh, Santa Fe is a big chocolate town. And so there's three of that. Uh, I think it's called Kawaka, the chocolate place. Uh, we only made it to two of them, but uh, multiple times on each one. And uh, did you a, have chocolate there? Yeah. So um, what I what I gave to you was sort of like the, the most normal quote unquote hot chocolate, but they had like a, a chili one. And then they had like an, they had like unsweetened ones that were just like, like cocoa and water. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was still pretty good. And then they had like, they had all sorts of other stuff. They had like uh, salted caramels and chocolate truffles and they had a lot of good stuff. Sounds so, amazing. Dude, it was great. It was great. I cannot speak highly enough of uh, the Santa Fe experience. It was just, uh, it was, it was, it's been a week. We got back a week ago. And uh, I was sad to leave. I'm never sad to leave. I'm always, I'm always like, oh man, it's been enough time. It's time to get back home. This is the first trip I can remember where I was like, I don't know. And that says a lot. That says a lot. Yeah. So, but uh, that being said, good training yesterday. That was fun. So, you know, there's definitely something to, uh, to being around your, your dudes too. So yeah, the, uh, the silver lining, as they say. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, you know, we've talked about before, like the importance of good training partners and, and sort of how that that can be a business thing, like sort of good business partners or people that you learn from. And then good training partners for like jujitsu and stuff like that. And to me, it's I've always felt it's way more important to have good partners than good instructors, because mm-hmm. I feel like the instructors, it's like. I don't know. I just, to me, it was just, I learned way better from other people sort of entrenched in the same thing and they're seeing what they're doing and what I'm doing. And, um, maybe in business, it's a little more cohesive, maybe in jujitsu, it's a little bit more of a battle, but either way, um, I just always felt that was a better way to learn. So I love what you said though, right? Like trying to find training partners that are, um, trying to do what you are doing kind of have the same mindset. And I think that's exactly how you pick your inner circle, right? Um, you know, show me your friends, show your future. It's a big theme that we've talked about here. Your network is your net worth. And I think that that gets smaller and smaller, um, as time goes on because you just keep whittling down, um, that circle to the most essential people in your life. Yeah. to the people that are really, you know, this is how, in, in going into that very personal conversation we were kind of ha- having today that we won't have here, yeah. but, you yeah. know, one of the things that I wanted to say is that um, I am a big proponent in, and I, and, and, and here's the thing about this, I'll, I'll just have a disclaimer right now that like, I don't think that this is necessarily the right way to go about it. I just think it's the way that I go about it. Yeah. And my wife goes about things a lot differently and I wish I could be as good <laughs> as human being as she is. I, I wish I could be blessed. too. <laughs> Dude, I am so blessed that I have her in my life because she puts, um, 
things in perspective uh, to me, uh, for me. Uh, But I am the type of person that's like, look, I'm only going to value, I'm only, I'm never going to value someone if they don't value me. I'm never going to like, if you're not trying to spend time with me, if I never get a phone call or anything like that, I I mean, you know, there's certain people in my life that I know what, what, what they do for a living. And so I I just know it's very difficult. And I know that I'm near and dear to their heart, whether they call me or not. Um, There's, there's two or three people in my life that I know specifically. Um, And so that will never change. But there are certain people like uh, like I'm not going to go hound you down and try to hang out with you if you've never even, you know, try to call me, try to text me, any of that, uh, any of that type of thing. And and, and I'm not my feelings are not heard about it. Right. Um, And the reason I give that disclaimer out, like I don't think because a lot of people might think, well, Mo, that's right. I think you're right about that. I like why? Why would you want to? So like with Salia, Salia is very different in terms of like she just. Because when you when you behave the way I'm talking about, you're yeah. actually allowing in a lot of ways other people to control you, right? So my yeah. actions are manipulated to a certain degree by yeah. what other people are doing. Yeah. And Salia doesn't even know that she's not doing that. She's just that type of person where she's like, I'm not going to let anybody change my behavior, right? So I'll, I'll ask her. I was like, man, why are you working so hard to text that person or call that person? And it can be a family member. I was like, that person never even tries yeah. To like link up with you. Yeah. You know, and she's like, yeah, but that's not going to change the way I behave. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and I, and I get it. It's just not the right way for me. I, I kind of, yeah. I'm like, nah, you don't really want to hang out with me. I don't really want to hang out with you then. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm doing, I'm the same way. Cause it's, I, I think, <laughs> well, that's why well, you and I are like best yeah. friends. Cause well, I mean, I'll take you I'll, I'll, there's so, okay. There are people that I used to train with like a lot and used to hang out with a lot. And now, um, I never see him, never train with him and never get invited to training sessions. And it's not like it's different parts of town. It's literally like five minutes away. And for a while I was kind of bummed out about him. Like, man, this kind of, how'd I get off the list? You know, that kind of thing. But then I kind of realized, like thought about it. I'm like, you know, it's kind of mutual. Like I, I have to be honest, like it's more you know, so we always want to be like the one doing the rejecting, but sometimes there's like a, there's just a mutual rejection. And that's, I think that's all right. I mean, I think about it in terms of like different phases of your life. Uh, Cause you know, I was telling you, I, I had dinner with um, my old boss, like a guy I knew like coming up on 20 years ago at this point. And I spent a lot of time with that guy. We, we hung out sort of socially. And then after I got promoted, you know, we were more like friends or whatever. And you know, there's people that, because we were talking about all these different people that we knew back then, and he still keeps in contact with almost all of them. And I'm like, man, I haven't seen any of these people in like 10, 15 plus years. Um, so it's like, in my mind, there's always, there's maybe people you see in certain phases of your life. And then when those phases are done, maybe you still keep in contact with some of them. But to me, it's like, I'm not going to keep in contact with somebody just because we had history. Because if all it is is history, then it's history. You know, I mean, I thought about that a lot. And, you know, you and I had gone in depth on this yesterday with other people we were talking about. And to me, it's like what you have in common with somebody at the present moment, to me, matters most at the present moment. And then if we're going to be more philosophical about that, many would say all you have is the present moment. Love it. So it's, and I guess it's like, 
because I'm not like a big reminiscer and I'm not like somebody who looks back and I'm, you know, when people are always like, oh, this is the best time of my life. To me, it's like the best time of my life right now. I love this it. This is the best time because number one, I'm alive. And number two, it's like, this is all you got. So it's That's like, all you got. It should, it should be the best time. Um, but it's, but it's, yeah, it's interesting to see, especially, you know, being involved in, in business for a certain amount of time. Um, the people that I knew 15 years ago here, I don't see any of those people anymore. The last guy that I saw was maybe eight years ago. Almost anybody I did business with back then, I don't see now. Um, and, and then in jujitsu, it's like the people I trained with 15 years ago. There's there's a couple that I still train with, but most of them have changed too. And you know, you and I were talking about the idea of being in different towns or moving to a different town, and it's kind of like, well, you just establish new training partners, new business people. You, you kind of start over again but anytime you're starting over you're not really starting over because now you have more experience now you have more your life is in a different place you have different priorities so the people i hang out with now you know and 10 years ago or 15 years ago maybe we wouldn't have hung out because we wouldn't have had the same things in common that we do now um and you know so i don't know that's a that you know i i, I really feel like that's a big thing and i don't want to get judgmental ab- about it but I think, and we've talked about this before, that if 20 years go by and you're the same person you were 20 years ago, then all you've done is really wasted 20 years, yeah. right? And yeah. so I think about this, and I don't want to be judgmental, but it's like the people that were hanging out in high school, yeah, if they're still hanging out today, doing yeah. the exact same stuff they're doing today, yeah. you know, watching the games on Sunday, yeah. and it's the same old thing. And, and look, I'm not trying to be judgmental. Maybe they're living the best, their best life, right? Like that's, that's great, but I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. It's just, and again, I think it goes back to that old, you know, I, I, not that old wisdom. It's my wisdom. It's, it's what I said in, 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 you know, I, I don't know when it was like right after pandemic started, it's like, look, there's no such thing as right or wrong. There's simply what's right for you and yeah. whether, whether or not it works. But I feel like, as time goes on, you evolve as a person. Um, <clears throat> speaking of, like your jujitsu, right? Like yeah. if your jujitsu was the, is the same as it was day one you started. Yeah. You know what does that does that mean? You're like that you're just uh you know you're terrible at jujitsu. I I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of, what were your thoughts on the uh, ADCC man? That was that was a, I, I don't know man. I had a lot of fun watching yeah. ADCC. It yeah. was very entertaining. Uh, one, you know, the big thing that I took away from the event, there's a couple things to, you know, one, one of, well, there's three things, three, three things that I really took away. Yeah. Uh, number one, um, like you said yesterday, it seems like, uh, Gordon Ryan's playing a completely different sport. I think he's yeah. just, uh, you know, yeah, that, I think that's well said. Uh, number two, uh, I haven't worked leg locks since I, since, uh, probably, Eddie Cummings was still right. like really on the competition scene, you uh-huh. know? Um, so I've just completely gotten away from that and, yeah. and, um, seeing all the leg lockery, not just from Gordon Ryan, but from some of the, uh, and the highest, you know, fr- from, from a lot of the guys that are competing at the highest level. Um, yeah. it kind of tells you something, right? It's like, yeah. look, we don't know what really what happened in a street fight, but the yeah. closest thing we have is MMA. So what are they 
what are they predominantly doing in MMA? Yeah. That can kind of give yeah. us an idea of what's working, what's not working in a real life situation because they're training it every day. Yeah. So when you see the highest level guys in jujitsu all attacking yeah. leg locks yeah. um, from different positions, um, that that makes me you know want to get back and study that more. And then the third thing I took, my third big takeaway is that there are no. Um, uh, across the board, there's not a, there's not this one rule set and there should be for jujitsu, yeah. especially yeah. if you're trying to make it mainstream, right? Yeah. Like it's like basketball. If you, if you watch NBA and you watch basketball, like the rules are the rules. They're not yeah. going to change no matter where you play basketball. Yeah. The yeah. rules are the rules. And yeah. that's the way it kind of needs to be. And I think that ADCC by far, so, so far has the most entertaining rule yeah. set. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point about the rules because, um, yeah, I mean, there there is an impressive quality for people to be able to do well in multiple rule sets. I mean, that's that's impressive. And there are still like the Rutola brothers and Mika Galval. I mean, those guys were in the finals of the IBJJF um, Gi black belt this year. So they, they got to the finals of that. It was, I think it was Ty Rutolo against Mika Galval. And then in ADCC, it was Cade Rutolo against Mika Gaval in ADCC. So very different rule sets, gi, no gi. So, I mean, there's definitely guys that are impressive in a lot of things, but um, it certainly hinders the ability to have more casual viewership because that's the real thing with jiu-jitsu. The real question is, are you ever going to get people who don't do jiu-jitsu or whose wives or husbands don't do jiu-jitsu, like somebody who's sort of not directly tied in with the sport itself. Are you ever going to get people like that to watch it? Um, and if you are, then having a consistent rule set probably would help because then people would at least sort of start to understand the sport. But when you have it where it's like, well, this is a takedown in IBJF, but it's not a takedown at ADCC, that's confusing to people. And then if you have people from other sports like wrestling, well, a takedown in wrestling is different than a takedown in ADCC because ADCC, they have to end up on their back. In wrestling, it's like if they end up on all fours and you get around them to the behind, that's two points. So it's it's confusing that way. And so that makes it, I think it's another barrier. I think you're right. Um, I think they would be served well to have more stalling penalties and shorter matches just from a viewership point of view. I still think the best thing that I ever watched was the trials, like the different trials they had this year, because those matches, I believe, are six minutes long. And good lordy, like the skill level is super high. The intensity is super high the whole time because they don't Action have a lot of time. The entire time. And, and I think that... Um, you couldn't stall. There wasn't time yeah, to stall. There's not time to stall. And I think that's the thing. I mean, just like everything in life, uh, people adapt to the restrictions given upon them. So with different rule sets, you see different styles of combat, um, you know, and that's that's just going to be inherent because people want to win. So they're going to figure out what is the best way to win. And if you can coincide, what is the best way to win with what is the most exciting thing to watch? Then I think you start having something that can get real traction. And one of the ways I think you make something more exciting to watch is, you know, make a match six minutes five minutes, something like that, because now you've got a short amount of time and the stakes get immediately higher because that's not always some... true though. Right? Like well, yeah, yesterday I, I gave you two minutes and uh, it wasn't exciting that I don't think that that's something that people would want to watch. 
I mean, it was uh, two minutes, 10 minutes. It really didn't make a difference. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I never did go to the time limit, so that's true. Um, <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. It would be, it'd be interesting to see that. Uh, there was a lot of complaining online about, like, there, apparently there was, like, a big ceremony in the beginning of, like, the Hall of Famers, and there was, like, a lot of stuff that I, because I, we were driving back from Santa Fe during the second day, so I just kind of watched all that stuff, like, when we got back, so I was able to just to watch the matches themselves, um, but I think people would need to watch, like, some of the original ADCCs to realize how much better these current ones are. Mm-hmm. because it's it's sort of interesting you know a lot of people always complain about jiu-jitsu not being like applicable to fighting anymore because they're like okay when jiu-jitsu started it was valley tudo it was nhb and and now the two are so different and that's sort of true but i think it's sort of not because if you look at stuff like adcc i mean the first one was in 1998 so that's supposed to be when jiu-jitsu was still like combat ready and it's like if you watch those guys now like most of them are pretty bad I mean, they have terrible takedowns. They have, like, no real scrambling ability. Um, the the level of competitor now versus 24 years ago or, you know, even 10 years ago, five years ago, is so much better. They're way better wrestlers. They're way better scramblers. They're way better leg lockers. They're way better finishers in general. So to me, if you take that skill set and you just adapt it to MMA and you give these guys six months or a year of, and a lot of these guys are training striking anyway, but they've already got a lot pretty good wrestling. They've already got scrambling. They've already got all these things. And with ADCC, the other thing now is you have to be able to hold somebody down, which is a hugely applicable skill to MMA. So you can't just take them down to their knees. They have to be on their back. So I think that the modern no-gi jiu-jitsu game, the ADCC style of it, is very applicable to MMA. I think the by far more applicable than it was 20 years ago. So I don't know. It's it's always interesting to hear like some of these older arguments and stuff like that. And I always feel it's a little bit of things were better in my day type of thing yeah, that people always yeah. want to do. And it's a weird human imperative to like want to feel it's it's sort of a duality of everybody when they get past a certain age wants to talk about how things were much tougher during their day. And yet people also want to be in like, they always want to say that right now is the most chaotic or whatever time ever. Like people are like, Oh, we live in violent times now. I'm like, no, not really. Not even close compared to what they used to be. I mean, like, mm-hmm. look, just read the history of life a hundred years ago in America, much more violent, like 150 years, not even close. I mean, 100%. so it's like this weird thing of like, and then when people talk about like, Oh, kids nowadays aren't, the kids nowadays will whoop the, whoop our kids' ass or whoop, whoop our asses when we were kids. I mean, for the most part, like the, at least the ones we're talking about. So it's like, I, I think it's like they don't want to embrace the fact that time marches on and, and things get better and people get better at stuff as time marches on. I mean, that's just that's just part of it. That, yeah. But I think that's good. I mean, it'd be weird if if that really were true, the idea that like things were better 20 years ago or whatever, that would be terrible. Yeah, it would be like a bizarro world, right? Yeah. Where instead of every day that goes by, society is getting better. Yeah. It's like the opposite of that. It's up, yeah. upside down. It's yeah. it, Society gets worse every day that goes by. Yeah. And people yeah. want to make that argument, right? Like All that's, the time. That is true yeah. on social media. It's like yeah. society is getting worse every day. Yeah. How many times do people argue it's the end of times? It's biblical. Yeah. It's yeah. biblical. 
Yeah. Man, there have been so many like worst things that happened even before the people that are saying yes. that were born. Yes. Like if it was end of time, that should have happened already. It, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's absolutely true. And it's just funny to hear that because it's like people are like, oh, we're getting close to the next civil war. I'm like, really? Have you been outside? Have you walked around? Are people like fighting each other in the streets? Is there like a an issue that people are willing to go to war against their neighbors for? No, there's not. There's not. Like you disagree on social media. It's not the same thing. A hundred percent. And I read a book one time and it talks about, it, it was about, um, you know, it was about gaining customer loyalty over customer service, right? Hmm. And it was talking a lot about reviews and online reputation. And yeah. one of the things that it highlighted was that people will always find the time to leave a bad review. But even yes. when you do a good job and they're yeah. really happy about what you did, yeah. for some reason they can't find the time to write about it. Yeah. And I yeah. think social media is the exact same way. I agree. People, I agree. like all the people that are complaining about ADCC, like I can guarantee you there's like 20 times more, or I'm just making up numbers, but there's way more people yeah. that were happy about the event, but they yes. won't write about it. Yes. It's only the only people that are going to write about it are the people that have bad things to say. And so that's yeah. what makes it seem like, oh, you know, was it a bad event or whatever? No, it was not. Yeah. It was like the best event that had ever happened yes. in the history of yeah. ADCC. Yeah. Um, and that's just that's just the way it is. So I don't know. People uh, hateful, hateful people haters. The, the, the <laughs> need to um, it's weird. Yeah, it's that, that sort of inherent need to complain. And because it's like. I don't know, like. I've thought about this a lot because I'm I'm actively working always to become a more optimistic person. And there's a certain courage that it takes to be optimistic because I think it's way easier to be pessimistic because it's like, okay, things are, there's always going to be something that goes wrong. And if you're a pessimist, you're like, aha, see, told you, nothing ever worked. But if you're optimistic, you're kind of inherently going to be wrong sometimes. Like you're going to end up with egg on your face sometimes. And to me, it takes real courage to approach life with optimism because, yes, you're going to be wrong sometimes. And when you're right, the cynical person says, it doesn't matter. You were lucky this time or, or whatever it is. You know, so you look at something like you said, I mean, it's in Thomas Mack Arena in Las Vegas. There's an enormous crowd. And it's like I think that a lot of the people are complaining probably haven't even been involved in the sport for very long. Because if you go back and look at like 2015, 2013, 2011, there's nobody in the stands. Like there's nobody there. Nobody cared. Like the the fact that there is a, a full thing, the fact that they've turned it and they're like, oh, they got the woman from Pride announcing and it sounds so cheesy. It's like, yeah, you realize when Pride was happening, there was 90,000 people watching a fight. They were in a, they were in a stadium that held 90,000 people and it was sold out. That's like UT Austin football game sized people watching a fight. And all these people are complaining about it. Clearly, we're not in like Simi Valley parking lots in the late 90s like I was watching MMA, where it's literally a parking lot full of thugs. Ends up somebody stabs somebody else, whole fight, <laughs> cops can come. Like that's that's the, or, or like, you know, watching something in the back, walking, watching uh, Dean Lister against Rico Rodriguez have a grappling match in somebody's backyard in an octagon in the middle of Hawthorne in like 1998, like with a crowd of 20 people. Like that's all it was back then. So it's like these people that are complaining about these things, they have no sense of perspective. Because I think that's, 
and it's like again, that's a hard. It's a it's a weird thing to have, but if you can gain perspective on things, it just it's, I don't know. To me, it's freeing because it just makes it realize that like you're just a blip. The life is very short, and that all these things that seem traumatic, you just have to go read the Quran, the Bible, anything like that to read the conditions that people were living in at that time. Even the royalty, even the richest of the rich. They'd trade lives with you in a second if they saw the uh, stuff you had now. Uh, that argument is made so often, right? Like, I, I it would better, it, it, at least in America, it would yeah. better, it's better to be like on welfare than like being a king 500 years ago. It might, I mean, I don't know about welfare, but I mean, talking like you and me, I think the kings would be like, <laughs> oh, oh, no, 100, oh, what's yeah, 100%. This, what's this magical, mystical device where you can see the other person? What kind of spell did you cast? So, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool, man. But it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a, it's a weird thing. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, learning how to sort of embrace the present, embrace the new adventures and the new things, it keeps life interesting. Um, it keeps you on the idea that the journey continues. And that's fun. Like I think about that with, you can take jujitsu and the idea of, you don't necessarily, if you've got, quote unquote, your game and, you know, you're, you're decent or you're pretty good, or you're a black belt or whatever, you don't necessarily have to change everything and embrace new styles or whatever, but, but learning new stuff or seeing the way younger people are approaching the game, I think is important because everything that maybe you had to learn through hard knocks or mistakes or trial and error, or whatever it is, imagine all that was just taught to you as this is the correct way to do this right from the beginning. And now where do you take it from there? You should listen to that person because it's almost like they took your whole life. They put it on fast forward. They got to a, a place that maybe you'll never get. Cause if, you know, if you're my age and you're training with like a, an 18 year old who's been training for like, you know, five or six years and they've learned all the good new stuff, I should listen to that guy. Cause not only has he learned stuff in a way better way that I have, but he's 30 years younger, so he's got the, you know, the, the youth on his side to really explore that and express it. It's like, man, that's something to learn. It doesn't necessarily mean that they can't learn something from me as well, but it man, like this idea that, you know. I can't so. remember who said this, but it's some uh, CEO, I cannot remember, but he's like, I only, I only listen to young people nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who said it, but I got to, I got to Google that now. Yeah. I'll Google it later. But, <laughs> I mean, uh, but yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And even, um, Jack Maul, who I don't even know if, yeah. if he's still alive or not. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we have, it seems In like prison blast I heard. Yeah. We don't know where he's at, but he kind of made the same sort of comments, right? Like, uh, he only really listened to the young people, the new generation, yeah. the people yeah. that were going to, um, seem to have their finger on the pulse on how to solve today's problems. Yeah. 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 Cause I think it's, you know, it's a combination of things because, you know, you got young people that dismiss people that have wisdom and experience and then people with wisdom and experience dismiss young people. It's like both sides sort of dismiss each other. And there's something to be learned from both sides. I mean, because it's like I, I have my own prejudice. Let's just take like working out stuff. Like every time there's like some shirtless 25 year old dude like talking about the way to work out with longevity, I'm like, hmm. I'm going to check back with you in 20 years and see how you're doing then. And then maybe I'll start listening to you. Cause to me, it's like certain things 
I'm like, you kind of got to live it first. I'm going to listen to Steve Maxwell because he's 70 years old. He's still in good shape. He's been grappling for like 60 years. You know, he's been doing jujitsu for like 40 years. Like, I'm going to listen to that guy because I want to be like that. If I make it to 70, I want to be like that. So there's there's some things. But there's other things where it's like, man, you know, when it comes to business ideas, when it comes to integrating technology, it comes to social media marketing, I'm going to have to listen to somebody younger. Because somebody older is going to sort of understand it and, and sort of, it's like the older person, you almost pick up technology like you would pick up a language as an adult. You can pick it up and there's people that can get really good, but you're never going to learn it as well as, as somebody who is raised as a kid, you know, somebody who speaks Spanish when they're a kid. They're always going to speak it better. So it's like to me with technology, when a kid, when somebody grows up and, and all they've known is social media and things like that. I mean, for literally for the first still half of my life, I didn't have email. I didn't have cell phones. I mean, I was, you know, well, maybe not first half of my life, but first, you know, 20, until I was 21, 22. I don't think I had email until I was about 22 or 23. I didn't have a cell phone until I was like 26. And this is not because I was like denying myself. It's just like this is just how the world was back the then. The technology didn't exist. Yeah, the technology didn't exist, man. I mean, you saw Lethal Weapon. You saw the cell phone they had. You can't walk around with that thing wearing a backpack phone. So, um, so yeah, it was, just, it was just a different time. But it's like if if there's somebody now who's sort of grown up in that age, and especially because I keep away from social media anyway, but certainly, you know, we've talked about buying online businesses and, and you know, that kind of stuff. If I was ever to do that, I would absolutely use social media. But I don't think I would do it myself because – I would want to get more of a younger person's perspective on these are, this is what my peer group responds to. Cause I don't know what they respond to. And I can sit there and judge it and say, it seems silly or this or that. But now it's like, you're just creating a wall or a barrier versus like, let me figure out how to communicate. And, and it's interesting. I was reading something where executives were talking about how to work with like the gen z or the millennials or whatever because they get endlessly trashed by people my age like they're lazy they're entitled everyone's got a trophy and and they're like they're actually really good workers but they come from a generation where they want to know what is the purpose of what they're doing how does it fit into the bigger picture and when they're explained that like how the relevance of what they're doing the bigger picture the ultimate goal they're excellent workers but when the people 100%. telling them to do the job come from a generation where it's like, I'm your boss, you do this. And, and people were so worried about getting. Have fired. you recently when, had an experience like that? Because you talk about it so like you're in tune with it. Because so, I had a couple of recent experiences where it showed my age because I was so turned off because I come from a generation where yeah. you're given an assignment and you don't ask questions. You're just yeah. happy that you have the job. Yes. And that is not, yeah. it was almost like speaking a different language. Yes. We were, you know, negotiating contracts or yeah. negotiating a job. Yeah. And they were asking like real specific questions. Yeah. And yeah. to me, I was like, I guess this person doesn't want the job. Like yeah. it's turning yeah. me off. Yeah. And once I, I communicated that to the person, it was like, no, I absolutely want the job. I just want to know like what I, I really want clear direction on what it is you want me to accomplish. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was just so, yeah, I, I don't, and I, and, and so that's why you, you talk about it. Like you've been yeah. through it. Cause I've, yeah. I've recently have been through this and you are 100% right. Like yeah. these people have actually been rock stars. Like they are, yeah. they're so, so good. 
I don't know what people are talking about in terms of like, they are not lazy. Like yeah. they are some go getters, yeah. but they, they are more like, it's just, yeah, I don't know. A generational thing. Like I, you yeah. know, I show up to the job and do what you're told type of deal. Yeah, and exactly. They, they'll do that, but they want like very, very clear directions. They want things down in writing. Yeah. All that type of stuff. It's just, it's yeah. different. Yeah. To, I mean, to answer your question, not, I really haven't, but I've been just sort of reading on it and that, that was sort of more of my perspective on it, but it, but it makes sense because it's like, you know, the, the fundamental part of sort of most clashes in, in either interpersonal relationship wise, and even more sort of nation by nation, a lot of times is, is a communication breakdown. Like you, th- you know, one person thinks the other person means this, so they react to that, and it just, it's just sort of escalates. And then a lot of times it gets to the point where now if anger is involved or violence is involved or whatever, then you start going where it's just too far, where it doesn't really even matter what the original intention was anymore because now you're you're throwing fists or you're, you know, shooting at each other, or th- you know, launching missiles or doing whatever. And you know, when it when generations change, and I, I really do think it's probably, you know, sometimes you have things stall out. And then there's quick changes. Uh, the example I always think about is if you ever watched the show Mad Men. Did you watch that show? No, I've been wanting to. Is it, have you watched it all? The, well, first, let me just ask you yeah. really quick. I don't want to go. You watch it all the way through? Yeah, I watched really it. Really good, way. really good, it's show. good show. Yeah, okay. it's good. So the show starts off, I think, in 1963. And if you look at the way Americans were in 1963, it was like you wear like a nice suit to work. You have your hair short and conservative. It was like. 1963 versus 1953 or 1945, if you look at the fashions changed a little bit, but it was just really conservative. But by like 1967, it's like everyone's got mutton chops and wearing wild colors and like doing all this, you know, this hippy dippy stuff. So it's like within four years, everything changed. So that was sort of one example of things changing quickly. Now for for our generation, and I will include you in my generation for just educational purposes. Mo is a much younger fellow, of course, but, um, (laughs) but if you're used to, you know, if you go through high school and let's say part of college or at least high school where technology is sort of like, yeah, you might have like a computer in your school. Maybe you got a computer at home, but it's not like an everyday part of your life. And email maybe doesn't exist or is not, even when email started existing, it was sort of used by some people, but it wasn't used by everybody. And even if it I was go to the library to check my email, yeah, you go to the library and it's something where you check it like once a day or once every few days or not like literally every second of the day, like it is now. I think there's like, that is sort of the end of a generation. And as that generation starts getting older and older and dying off, then you have like sort of the, the technology generation where all the online world has always existed. And that's probably a big break. So it's like, you know, if somebody was born in, you know, let's say I'm trying to figure out when I really started using the internet, like probably around 1998. Well, somebody who's 24 is literally their whole life has been that. So the communication between me and somebody that age is going to be different because they're just used to a whole different set of parameters and communication and so many things being done online from the beginning that it kind of makes sense. And then it's, I think as a, an employer, as somebody who wants to influence people to 
you know, sort of be better, do the work you want them to do, it's sort of important to learn the language. And it doesn't necessarily mean the literal language, but it's like the motivations of somebody, how to influence somebody correctly. Because it's like if you just sort of, you know, put your put your boot on somebody's neck type of mentality, it's like then they're just waiting for you to take it off and then they'll just do whatever. You know, it's like they're doing almost like in that movie Office Space where he's like, I'm doing just enough to not get fired. 100%. You know, because it's like because there's no motivation versus if you figure out a way to make somebody feel like they're really involved in a team, that what they do really matters, that you really appreciate it, that the customer appreciates it, whatever it might be. That's a much more motivating way. And, and I kind of wish that the generation that came before us understood that a little bit better because I was the same way. It was like, oh, you don't want, you know do it or you get fired. Basically, that was almost always the motivation. That was the motivation, yeah. And, it, and then it was, and then the reaction was, okay, I'll do enough to not get fired. Yes. It wasn't like I'll do a great job. It was just like, okay, I don't want to get fired. So I'll just, I'll just toe the line. And it seems like, but you know, that seems like something that's real easy um, to accomplish. And man, I really have studied and practiced and tried this idea of building culture within yeah. A company yeah. and with the yeah. people that you're attempting to lead and yeah. man it's not an easy thing to do no. it seems like a common sense thing to do like just treat people with respect and make yeah. them feel like but making them feel like finding out what really motivates them it's so at the same time i'm obsessed with it like this yeah. that's why i am more in, involved in business than i am with real estate because this type yeah. of stuff really really fascinates me because it yeah. with real estate there's not as much human psychology involved no. in no. business um, there's a lot of human psychology uh, in, involved because yeah. the, the the people that eventually will come and and um, support the company mission, they're going to be the 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 heart and soul of your company, really. Yeah. And you, you being able to find out what what makes these people tick. Yeah. And it's not this one formula. That's the most important thing that I can tell you. The yeah. other thing that I can tell you, it almost seems like money is the number one motivator. It is a motivator, but yeah. almost always it does not equate to long-term. Uh, it doesn't equate to a long-term relationship. I agree. And getting to the point of figuring out what, it's almost like that movie, The Notebook. Like, what do you want? Just tell yeah. me what yeah. you want. Yeah. Like, I wish we could have these open conversations, but yeah. even when you ask them outright, yeah. Sometimes they don't even, that's why it's psychological. Sometimes yes. you have to, I'm just going to make up this word, psychologize the person because yeah. they don't even know what they want. So as yeah. their, as their boss, you almost have to figure this person out like a psychologist, psychiatrist and figure out what makes this person tick. And it's not an easy thing to do, yeah. Yeah. but I will tell you one of the biggest, um, one of the things that a company always wants to avoid is turnover. Turn, yeah. Turnover is super expensive. It is. So it would, it you should be like super motivated as someone that owns a company or a business that has um, someone working for them. You should be super motivated to figure out how to do this very hard task. Yes. Um, because turnover is just can kill your business. It can really yeah. kill your business because you're retraining from the bottom up, starting yeah. over. Um, you're taking too many steps backwards when you want to be taking steps forward. Um, yeah. Building company culture, though, is not an easy thing. And there's yeah. not just one formula for it. Like there's not a book out there that you're going to read. And if you do ABC, it's always going to work because no two people are alike. That's yeah. the main thing. No two people are alike. Yeah. But yeah. I think there are some fundamental things that are just universally true. Like no two people are alike, but every two people will want to be respected. 
Every yeah. two people will want to feel important. And I really believe this in terms of sales, Carter, and, and, and you really have, like I've always prided myself on my ability to sell. And I have a very different approach to selling than most people that I've encountered have. And I don't ever look at selling. I look at just problem solving and delivering happiness. That's it. That's all you're there to do. Yeah. Problem solve and deliver happiness. Because if yeah. you can solve people's problems, people will always feel like people will want to pay you to solve their problems. You're yes. making their life easier. Yep. But one of the things that you taught me that helps me frame this, especially when I'm teaching other people to sell is psychologically, what do what, what are the main things that everybody, everybody, I don't care who you are, what race, what religion, where you're from, what are the two things in life that everybody wants? Everybody. And it comes down to this. Um, and, and I learned it from you because you were like, Mo, when, when it comes to making a decision, I look at it like this. Does it bring me money or does it bring me happiness? And if it doesn't bring me either of those two things, yeah. then I don't even really focus any energy to it. Yeah. And I'm like, boom, that is how you sell. Yeah. Because that is the that is the psychological uh, foundation, I think, of every single human being, happiness and money, yeah. happiness and money. Yeah. Yeah. And if and, and so now you're just selling towards that. Yeah. Does whatever you're selling, is it going to make them money or is it going to bring them happiness? Yeah. And if it is, you better know exactly how it's going to do that and not be BSing people. You better yeah. deliver on your promises. But yeah. if you have a product or a solution or a service, all you have to do is sell to money and happiness. Mm -hmm. My product is either going to make you money or it's going to make you happy or it's going to deliver happiness or ideally it's going to do both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm glad that's uh, I'm glad that that stuck with you because it's it's something I try and filter a lot of things through. And it's it's important, I think, every once in a while to refilter many aspects of your life and go. Is this making me money? Is it making me happy? If it's not doing one of those two, why am I doing it? hundred percent. And I would honestly say, even with, you know, maybe you could change the, you know, from money and happiness to something else. But I mean, even the people in your circle or the people that you're spending time with, it's important to sort of reevaluate because it might end up like the situation I was talking about before where both of us were on the chopping block by the other person and didn't even realize it until it's like, oh, I haven't seen this guy in forever. Oh, I know he's doing this. I didn't get invited, but I don't feel bad about it. He probably didn't feel bad about not inviting me. It's just sort of like a mutually like, okay, we're kind of done with each other to a certain extent. And it's like that that happens. I mean, like it's important to kind of reevaluate the people in your life from time to time and be like, why am I still hanging out with this person? Or maybe why am I not hanging out with this other person more? You know, I mean, it could be sort of a, a, a separate thing, but I think that's important to do. So... That's all I got. I love it. Yeah. Money and happiness. Money and happiness. Yeah. The big two. The big two. I love it, my brother. Mic drop. To re-listen to this episode or check out our past episodes, go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Check us out on Apple iTunes as well. Like, review, subscribe. All of that. Shout out to our host, Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. Nobody can be you better than you. Be authentic. Robles. Check out Yellow Pine Investments. Check out uh, quantum leap web design as always i'm mo that's carter and we wish you guys nothing but the best both on and off the mat thank you for listening thank you guys that's it for this episode of the jujitsu of life your hosts are carter fisk and mo siddiqui 
This podcast is brought to you by Rulebliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Rulebliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at rulebliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat. <laughs>